Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and in this episode, I'm talking head-to-toe health with my very first medical professional guest, Dr. MJ Collier. He is literally on the phone, in between patients, very busy schedule, but took some time to have this conversation, and I can't wait to hear your answers to some of these health questions. Dr. Collier, welcome, and thank you so much for being my first medical guest on the podcast. I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity. It is an honor and a privilege. Well, you were definitely top of mind because you are so good at what you do, Dr. Collier. So again, welcome. Uh, So today's episode is all about head-to-toe health. We're specifically talking about how our bodies communicate. Uh, What are those signs, those feelings we get when something is off? So I have gathered the most frequently asked questions from the Mind, Body, and Business DMs for us to discuss. And we want to start with the head, specifically, Dr. Collier, headaches. When you are feeling tension, pain, or just mental imbalance, what could the body possibly be trying to communicate? Uh, People have headaches all the time. I don't care who you are, what kind of physical condition you're in. There will be symptoms and circumstances under which you will have a headache. So we start to look for reasons that you can have a a headache, such as an uncontrolled blood sugar or uncontrolled high blood pressure. So it can indicate a systemic disease like diabetes, like high blood pressure. It can indicate an acute situation such as dehydration, because when you become dehydrated, your brain shrinks. Your brain shrinks and you feel horrible. You get a headache, you get nausea, et cetera. So it can be just a simple dehydration. So that's why people will often say drink some water and see if that helps. When you don't eat, everybody's familiar with the term hunger headaches. So when you get a hunger headache, you want to avoid, uh, you know, when you want to eat something, you normally do have signs and symptoms of hunger that you have ignored because you're working or you're doing some other activity. But your brain and your body is not going to let you ignore it. They say, hey, I need some fuel. And when your brain does not have fuel, the first thing it does, it gets your attention. It's like if your brain is not getting blood, it makes you fall out, pass out, and get your head down so that your head is at the same level of your heart, and it'll get more blood flow. So lots of indications there. Stress. And I tell people all the time, they say, oh, I'm not under stress. I say, you're black and you live in America. You're under stress all day, <laughs> every day. I say, you know, so it's, it's always something. We, we're so used to living in the black experience that we don't know what a stress-free lifestyle is, and we accept those, those regular stressors as routine parts of life, and they are not. So if you're stressed to the point that you're clenching your jaw or squinting your eyes, uh, then it can create a, a headache circumstance at all. And so it might be as simple as getting an eye examination and getting new glasses or new contacts. And I'm glad that you brought up the eyes because that leads me to my next question. I was just on the phone with one of my girlfriends the other day. We both have these random rapid eye movements. It's kind of like a twitch, uh, not frequently, but again, random 
and we were both trying to figure out what is it like I was asking her are you drinking enough water she like are you drinking enough water are you getting enough rest so it could be tied to headaches or maybe something else your body creates a hormone that creates muscle tension and that can cause eye twitching it can be something as, as if you're just winking your eye to out and out just squinting uh, and it's usually one eye and usually the opposite eye of your dominant hand although it can indicate uh, real neurological problems like Parkinson's disease. Uh, so you want to make sure that you get that evaluated. But squinting, everybody now, uh, no matter what your generation is, because everybody has a cell phone and everybody has a pad and everybody's checking their social media. So we're constantly, one of the routines that people have established now is that before they go to bed, they check their social media. So they're sitting there in a dark room with a pad, the frequency of light of which one tells your brain that it's daytime, so wake up. So it totally shuts off and, and changes your sleep cycle. But two, you have to squint to comfortably look at that screen while the rest of the remainder of the room is dark. You're looking at a bright screen. That's why some new cell phones now, they have an automatic dimming that's already in the phone. So if it's nighttime or the phone knows just from uh, the time on the calendar and the clock, that it's nighttime, it will dim the light so you're not getting that bright light. So having to squint to repel a bright light uh, is one of those things. But if it's something that's happened due to, due to a neurological problem and stress, uh, Maria, then a person needs to, one, stop that stressor, whatever that stressful event is. If you think you might be being overwhelmed or that you're, quote, doing too much, take some me time. Just relax. Meditate. Pray. Sip some chamomile tea, something that relaxes you. Take a, a bath uh, with some aromatherapy. And it doesn't take long. 15 minutes can totally restore your body. I think that that is a really great point and good to know because sometimes when we experience these things, these signs that our bodies are giving us, we think it's something that we can't control. But getting rest, not drinking too much caffeine, controlling our stress, those all three are examples of things that we can control. I hear a lot about breathing. The difference between breathing from your chest and breathing from your stomach. What is your body trying to tell you when you're having shortness of breath? Breathing and the oxygen that you get from breathing is your body's baseline fuel. Okay, when you breathe in, the oxygen goes in, it's attached to your red blood cell. It's delivered literally on the cellular level to every cell in your body. It is the fuel for the body. There's no other fuel uh, for the body from that perspective. Oxygen is what keeps cells healthy, keeps them alive. And so they need oxygen. And if they don't have oxygen or they lack oxygen, you have a negative impact in a very, very short period of time. Certain tissues in the body can go without oxygen for hours. Uh, let's say you hear about people getting amputated limbs or something and they reattach it and it's going and it, and it works just fine. In other areas like the brain, you literally start to lose brain tissue after you've been oxygen deprived for about two minutes. Wow. So literally after that, you are losing thousands and after 10 minutes, millions of brain cells in real time. So very important that you get oxygen there. If you are not able to breathe, get in a good deep breath and you have good exchange of oxygen, which means because two things are happening. You're taking in oxygen and you're expelling carbon dioxide. So both parts of that have to work, uh, you know, in sync for you to have optimal benefit from breathing. People with asthma oftentimes will have expiratory wheezing. That means they're breathing in good, but they're not expelling oxygen, uh, uh, carbon dioxide rather well. So they start to get a buildup of carbon dioxide, which is, uh, again, at that point now, a toxin to the body. So you want to make sure that you are breathing. So appropriate posture 
when you're breathing and everybody's now and they're holding their device in their hand, they're leaning over, mm -hmm. they're, they're decreasing the range that the chest can expand when doing so. So you need to sit up straight. You need to allow, you know, chin uh, in, shoulders back like the Marines do and breathe and take in deep breaths. And if you ever feel like as if you're not getting enough oxygen in, take a few moments and breathe in, in through your mouth, out through your nose. As we travel down the body, I want to talk about the stomach. I think that that's everyone's favorite thing to talk about and probably one of the biggest questions you get, especially from women. So I want to talk about two things, how your body metabolizes fat, specifically in the midsection, and then also digestion. Like when you have the bubble guts, you know what I'm saying? Like when you feel bloated, what is actually going on in your midsection, in, inside of your stomach? One, their fat can be above the muscle layer of the abdomen and may give you a, an appearance of an enlarged abdomen but doesn't negatively impact your internal organ function. Then there's the internal fat that is literally wrapped around your intestines, wrapped around your pancreas, wrapped around the little portion of your stomach. That creates a difficulty with metabolism because one, it's just literally occupying space. When that space is occupied, your stomach starts to expand to try to accommodate that increased fat mass that is below the muscle, the abdomen, the six pack that everybody's trying to get. And that's why I tell people you cannot exercise that away exercise and diet restriction does not you can't target weight loss so mm -hmm. everybody says well i just want to lose an entry i just want to lose an inch there so you can't target weight loss i tell people going to the gym and doing our every abdominal exercise that they have is not going to literally change significantly the shape of your stomach and your abdomen you don't lose weight in the gym you become fit in the gym you lose weight in the kitchen in other words, you have to monitor the amount of calories that you're taking in. It takes 3,500 calories to gain one pound or lose one pound. That's what makes it difficult because people that work for a living, what I like to call regular people, you can't go to the gym enough to exercise enough to lose weight based on just your workout. The other problem is that the number one activity upon concluding a workout is what? going to get something yep. to eat. Yep. <laughs> and so, and oftentimes people who normally wouldn't even be eating at that time of day or night will go and get something to eat. The average calorie consumption after a workout is about 14 to 1500 calories. Mm. So, so uh, optimally you burn, uh, let's say a thousand calories in your workout, but you're taking in 1500 afterwards. So your net gain is 500 calories a day, 3,500 per week. So you may actually gain weight once you start working out and this happens. But then let's get to the internal side of the stomach. Oftentimes, when you hear the noise that, that happens when we, quote, get bubble gutted, everybody's had this particular, they've eaten something that didn't agree with them, or you get in the, you travel, you get an infectious disease, you get diarrhea, you hear your stomach grumbling. That is the noise of air being moved about rapidly and violently inside your intestinal tract. The gastrointestinal tract, it starts in your mouth, your mouth, your esophagus, your stomach your small intestine, your large intestine, your sigmoid colon, and your rectum. It is one long tube. Now, the first thing that happens is you will get nausea because the food cannot move down your stomach, so it starts to move up. Your stomach makes extra acid trying to digest food that's sitting there. That gives you nausea. If you get too much pressure, you'll get vomiting in an attempt to relieve that pressure in your stomach. Mm, that is so good to know. And tell me, what are your thoughts on liquid diets or, you know, limiting your caloric intake to just drinks? Because I think sometimes people feel like that's the solution. Your body does not recognize liquid intake 
variety. So you can drink the same number of calories that you could eat. But if you drink them or if you obtain those calories in a liquid form, your body does not recognize them. So you feel hungry. And that's why people that live on protein shakes and things like that, trying to lose weight, they, they still are hungry, uh, even though they're getting the calories in. So they invariably end up eating too. So they're drinking the protein shakes or the food supplements and they're eating. So they end up with a net weight gain. Mm, trying to drink the weight away and you end up gaining it. Definitely what I call hustling backwards. Thank you so much for that. Very insightful information. So when it comes to gut health, what would you say we need to keep top of mind? There is bacteria in your GI tract, good bacteria and bad bacteria. All of it plays an important role in the digestion of food. So if you have an overgrowth of the bad bacteria, you usually can tell by two things. One, your breath becomes foul no matter how often you brush your teeth. And no matter how much mouthwash you use, it has nothing to do with your oral health. It's your gastrointestinal health. And so you got that, that food is sitting there. It's bubbling. It's just like having garbage outdoors on a day that's 98 degrees temperature. It's going to get bad oh, real quickly. Oh, Dr. Collier. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you're telling me that the smell from your stomach when you open your mouth, it got to travel all the way up and all that funk coming out your mouth from your stomach. And it does. I'm sure people have, have stepped into your space and said an H word or something, and you got a whiff of their breath. And you say, oh, my God. You say their breath smells like poop. Yeah. You know, it literally can be that foul. And then the other thing is that if you have a bowel movement, or if you're passing gas, and it's so foul that you don't want to be in the same room with yourself. Yeah, and this is something that I came to learn, I would say probably within the last seven years, the importance of good bacteria, that you need a balance between the good and bad and it's interesting because when we think of the word bacteria, we automatically think it's something bad. So you want to make sure that you, are, you have a predominance in your gut of good bacteria. And as much as we see it on social media and the news on medical shows, probiotics are supposed to do that for us. What are your thoughts on probiotics, Dr. Collier? God's gift to GI health, immune health so many other good things for the body. And so the, the thing about probiotics is you have to make sure that if you're taking a probiotic product, that you're taking a product that contains more than one bacterial colony. Uh, some of them, some of the, the biggest selling ones only have one bacterial colony. And if you keep taking those, your gut becomes predominantly that one bacterial colony. And it's never good to do that. You want to have a mixture of various bacteria so that they keep each other in check. So you want a product that has at least three uh, bacterial colonies, and the, the unit of measure is called colony-forming units, or CFU. And you want that number to be in the billions with a B, not the millions with an M. So you take probiotics on a daily basis, you'll notice your breath is fresher. You, even when you have a bowel movement, you're not ashamed for somebody to go in the bathroom immediately after you leave because it's not, it's, it's not fragrant now, it's not flowery, mm -hmm. but it does, it's not foul either. Taking probiotics to keep your gut health in check will help tremendously uh, with that. So when our bodies are communicating with us in the form of, you know, digestive issues, uh, bloating, gas, maybe stanky breath because of the smell from the stomach, you're saying that probiotics could be a good solution. Do you have any other recommendations? Again, probiotics will help with that. Uh, fiber supplements, crunchy fruit and vegetables. If you want to do it naturally, if it crunches when you eat it, it's good for your, your gut health. So make right. sure that you're, you're eating enough of those types of foods every day and not just relying on things that are slow processing and difficult to digest like red meat and, uh, you know, a meat product. 
So let's travel further down the body. One thing that happens to us as we age, I think about when I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s, I want to travel, I want to do adventurous things. And so that's one of the main reasons why I take care of my body. It's not just, you know, aesthetics or, you know, I'm trying to be the snatched auntie type energy or whatever. But, <laughs> but one thing that I have found is a big issue for people are their hips and knees. Like I have some friends that I went to high school with and they've already got knee replacements and, and in their forties, how is our body communicating to us when we have knee pain and how can we avoid, you know, doing too much damage to our knees as we age? Great question, Maria. And I want you to, to put on your visualization brain right now. Think about it from this perspective. The knee is the thigh bone connected to the leg bone. And so those two bones are, they, they predominantly have a hinge movement. So they move back and forth in the same plane. Okay, so between the connections of those two bones, imagine if I had someone was handing me a balloon. This balloon is round and sitting on the table. I want to pick it up and move it to another part of the table. Now imagine if I'm picking up that same round balloon, but I make my, my both of my hands into fists and I approach both sides of the balloon and as I keep trying to bring my fist together, the balloon is wrapping around both hands. So that's an easy visual that most people can understand. Okay, that is the way your knee joint is. Inside that balloon is a very, very slippery substance that provides lubrication to that joint so that the, the knee can move back and forth without wearing itself down. Then, in addition to having that liquid lubricant, it also has a cushion between the uh, the thigh bone and the leg bone, okay? The femur bone and the, the called the tibia. As we age, the, the cushion, it dries out, just like a lot of things do. It has to maintain a certain level of hydration. That's why hydration is so very, very important uh, uh, as we go through life. So as they become dehydrated, they become less pliable, less soft, less capable of movement and cushioning, and it shrinks. So instead of maintaining a certain distance between the two bones, now those bones are coming together. And you hear people say, oh, my knee is wore out. I have bone on bone. And now you have the two bones rubbing directly against each other in that same hinge-like manner. And that starts to grind away the bone structure. The bone should be smooth, kind of like a pool ball. And it starts to get holes and pits in it, kind of like the moon surface. It gets craters in it, which makes it even more difficult for it to move back and forth with each other. Because it's bearing the majority of our body's weight, that is why it's the first organ, uh, first joint, really, that usually starts to give you some problems. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the predominant knee, if you're right-handed, it's your right knee. That takes your first step and your last step. So technically, it has more mileage on it than the other knee does, which is why you usually start off with the dominant knee is the one that starts to bother you. As it starts to hurt more and you start to favor it or give it less stress, you start to aggravate the other knee because you're tilting your ergonomics now and you, you're moving your body off of a central axis where everything is equally balanced. So now you're putting stressors on that joint. And that is very important for us to keep top of mind is that everything is connected. So when you start having knee issues, it's likely that you have issues with other parts of your body because everything is connected. And the problem, uh, again, is one of chronic inflammation and deterioration of the joint. So that is why you see most people get that the next joint they start to aggravate is the hip. So knee replacements right now, the number one orthopedic surgical procedure, and not just in the United States, but in the world. And everybody gets one. And when they finally get it, you know, people that have those sexy bow legs as they're coming along, 
I'll ask them now when they come out. I say, are those those bow legs come back to haunt you at this point? <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah, Doc. My knees are killing me. Yes, good knees in my 60s, 70s, and 80s. That is on my wish list. And it's really cool because the choices that we make now can determine how mobile we are you know, the functionality of our knees. I mean, granted, if you don't have an underlying medical condition. So tell me, what are some of the things we should be focusing on to make sure that we take good care of our knees? So one, make sure that you stretch out, make sure that you're maintaining as close to your ideal body weight that you can to relieve stress on those knees. Now, a lot of people are strong advocates of running as an exercise. Running does major damage to the knees and hips. All runners end up with knee replacements, et cetera. And as a medical professional, you know this, as a personal trainer, I know as well that walking can actually be just as effective as running, actually more effective. And there are multiple reasons why. Uh, but I want to ask you, why does walking get such a bad rep uh, versus running? And pe people want to, they want something more dramatic than walking. I want to do an exercise that's going to, you know, really show that I'm exercising. Walking gives you all of the benefit with none of the risk to damage to your joints. And you actually get better cardiovascular benefits from walking than running. And you talked about risks. I think that when people are determining which exercise works best for them, it's like you said, they want to feel like they're do actually doing something and walking doesn't always feel that way because your heart rate isn't as elevated. Maybe you're not sweating as much. But walking can actually help you burn more calories than running and it's easier on your body. Can you break that down? The reason why, one, you have the, the downside of damage to your knees, your hips, and your ankles, because every time you run, there's what's called a slight phase in your pattern. So your one foot takes off, the other foot is still off the ground, and then when that foot lands, that's that plantar phase. When your foot plants, it puts 20,000 pounds of pressure on your knees, hips, and ankles. What? I don't care. How much, how expensive your running shoes are, whether you have the $300 with the super cushion socks or whatever, you're doing damage every time you plant that foot when you're running. When you're walking, there's a smooth transition of your body weight. So even though you can walk at a pace usually three to five miles per hour to get your heart rate elevated, which is where you're getting the cardiovascular benefit from, you're not doing any damage to your joints. When I think about you know, serotonin and endorphins. I mean, the longer you're moving your body, the more exposure you get to those feel good hormones. And then yes. also, I think that, you know, when you're actively moving, I think for me, I feel like I'm able to calm my spirit, you know, especially if you're doing it outdoors. Cause I know you talk about vitamin D a lot. And when the weather is nice and you're able to actually walk outdoors, you're getting the benefit of the exposure from the sun a little bit longer than you would if you were running. You can almost go into a Zen state. You can meditate things. You can't achieve that while running. Very difficult to do because you have to watch where you're going, uh, more importantly, and keep a, a different level of awareness when you're running than when you're walking. Yes, and also, no matter what form of exercise you're doing, frequency matters, especially if you're wanting to take full advantage of the health benefits. So how often should we be focusing on exercising? So to get any benefit from exercise, you have to exercise at least three times per week. Mm -hmm. So people that go to the gym two times a week, which is the universal most often times people go to the gym, they get zero benefit from it. Uh, they don't get any, you know, the matter of fact, their chances of injuring themselves is higher and they'll end up in my office or in an urgent care or something with an acute injury to their neck, shoulders or whatever, 
uh, from it because the exercise is too intermittent. Your body doesn't benefit from it. You have to exercise at least three times per week. And I hear just an additional day, just one additional workout routine can double the benefits. Is that correct? Guess what, Maria? If you go four times per week, you get 2x benefit just by going four times per week. So I tell people, make your routine work for you. Go Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday for rest, relaxation, and restoration. Allow your body to heal and benefit from the exercise regimen. Then go back to the gym on Thursday and Friday, then whatever you normally do on the weekend, washing your car, yard work, uh, in-house cleaning, whatever you're doing that's going to burn some calories, that will help. Yes, every little bit helps. And Dr. Collier, I want you to talk to the gym rats out there, those people that say, you know what, four days is not enough for me. I got to go hard every single day because I got goals. Are there even greater benefits to exercising every single day of the week? None. (laughs) No substantive additional benefit from exercising other than the habit of doing it. So some people say, if I don't go every day, I'm I'm just going to not go. I'm going to mess up. So they they need to do it. That's very few people. And your body benefits more from having that time down again, to benefit from the exercise than it does from uh, exercising on a daily basis. Yeah. And and what I found and, and, and what I tell a lot of the women that I coach in my online wellness program is that you need a certain amount of exercise to just maintain your weight and a healthy lifestyle. And then you need that extra if you're trying to lose weight. So I'm glad that you clarified that. I don't have any workouts that I do personally that are more than 45 minutes. For me, I would rather take shorter rest periods, higher heart rate zone, lift heavier, dance a little. Like I like a lot of variety because that's the thing that kind of keeps me motivated to exercise. So that's what makes it easy for me. And when I do go more than four days, like you said, it's because I I just enjoy it. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Last thing, Dr. Collier, that I want to touch, I want to get down to the feet. This is what I noticed. And maybe this happens with other cultures as well. But I've noticed that I have certain family members, I'm not going to say their names. It seems like <laughs> over time, the skin on the bottom of their feet, like it, it starts to look like leather. Remember the old school leather couches? Like the, the oh, skin yeah. just gets hard, the nail. What is your body telling you when your toenails start to get crusty and your skin starts to get really tight? Remember that oxygenation on the cellular level is the, the baseline food for cells to thrive and, and stay healthy, where your feet are the most distal thing from your heart. So they are the first to start to have shortcomings as far as blood circulation is concerned. So it's very important that you, you, you maintain good foot health starting. Uh, don't wait until you already have a problem. Maintain. It may be something as simple one wearing the appropriate shoes. And of course, the shoes that we like to see women in and the shoes that women like to wear are the worst thing they can do for <laughs> their feet. But we also don't want to see you walk around in, in clogs all the time. <laughs> you know, so you have to, you know, shoe wear, uh, allowing your feet to breathe, you know, wearing uh, shoes that will are going barefoot. Uh, is very good for the feet, uh, you know, particularly if you don't have any issues with your arch. But keeping that skin on your feet moisturized, uh, when you get out of the shower, go through an extra session of moisturization of them. Scrape that skin off of those feet because that dead layer of skin inhibits the skin's ability to breathe and, re- and relieve uh, air and fluid. That, that dead skin soaks up fluid in the shower, so you walk around really sloshing all day. Uh, you put a, For men in particular, you put on a, a sock and a shoe, and you're going to get a fungal infection down there because it's a warm, moist environment, and you're just 
every step that that dead skin is squirting out fluid and it's just a horrible situation yes horrible i have seen it with mine own eyes so uh, definitely those pedicures can come through and help the situation not get worse and i'm hearing there's new technology that's helping improve foot health in big ways can you talk about that there are now places you can go to in a lot of retail stores that you put your foot into a, a foam uh, uh, device and it measures and takes a full shape it takes a sculpture basically of your foot and then makes recommendations that you, uh, certain types of uh, inserts that you can use to help maintain good foot health. Uh, those are a great first step. But if you have an obvious deformity, if your big toe is laying over the next two toes, if you got double bumps on every toe, you have uh, some need for some real intervention. And, uh, you know, and that only gets worse over time. The main thing that I really appreciate about you, Dr. Collier, is as we went from head to toe, you gave practical solutions, lifestyle changes, things that we actions that we can take right now uh, to live healthier lives. So I appreciate this conversation so much. If y'all thought this was insightful, you do lives every week. So can you give us some more information about that? Absolutely. All of my social media is, is Ask ASK Dr. MJ. I have a YouTube channel as well with thousands of videos on a variety of health topics that you can go and visit. Uh, you can reach me on all social media at Ask Dr. MJ. You follow me on Facebook or the gram. I will follow you back, I promise. And I will respond and answer your questions as uh, you send me uh, questions about it. I have a, a wellness product line called the Lipo line. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm telling people the things they need to do. Then they would ask me, well, where do I get it? So I said, okay, not only do I want to make it easy for you to obtain these products, I want them to be the highest quality products that you can get. So lots of good things that are on that site. You can go to that site, lipodrops.com for further information. And considering the wealth of knowledge that you have and this detailed conversation about head-to-toe health, uh, I'm certain that you have a product that delivers great results because you clearly know what you're talking about. So, Dr. MJ Collier, thank you so much for your time. I know that you are super busy. You're passionate about the work that you do and uh, all of the information that you've provided us here today inside of this conversation has been so helpful. And I look forward to having you again on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maria. Mind, body, and business. Taking care of your personal business, your mind, and your body. Yes, you better give me a dope outro. I appreciate that, Dr. MJ. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Gotta love Dr. Collier, man. Be sure to follow him on all platforms at Ask ASK Dr. MJ. Well, that concludes this episode of Mind, Body, and Business. As always, I appreciate your ears and look forward to the next empowering conversation. Mind, Body, and Business is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media production hosted by Maria Moore. Follow me at Maria Moore on all socials. Executive produced by Maria Moore. Supervisory podcast producer, Colby Kolb-Tyner. Sales partnerships, Sam Tatum. Integrated marketing and partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson. Digital marketing, J.R. Davis and Tim Hall. Music produced by Jamal J. Soul Smith. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast.